yes, welcome back. Uh, so uh, we are talking about burnout uh, with regards to gaming, and I suppose the best way of describing it is, um, yeah, when you, you just you, you lose the, that energy and yeah. the that natural like love of doing doing something like that, and I think it, it's something that I, I think everyone experiences at different parts in their life. Yeah. Uh, different things really well, it's, it's, well. re it's relatable on a human level because everyone has a you know you, you get it in your job mm -hmm. uh, you get it in relationships um, as yeah. well yeah um and you, you get it you get it with your hobbies you get it with gaming yeah and that that's um specifically what we wanted to address yeah, and we, uh, we, um, we thought it'd be a good thing to talk about now, uh, because frankly, I've just been through a period of a bit of a burnout. Um, not, not with gaming in general, although I have, I, I have cut back lately on a lot of different things I was doing. More specifically, the Magic the Gathering and like the competitive scene with that. Yeah. So as well. so. You don't. You don't just burn out. Although some people maybe believe that you do, I I think that there's something at the root of a feeling of burnout. So what what was it for you with magic? Well, I, right. So I think I think for me what had happened was I'm I I I've gone under gone through a period of stress at work. Yeah. Basically, um, so I was finding that quite demanding. And uh, my initial reaction whenever I'm feeling a little bit stressed is, right, let's have more fun. Let's uh, yeah. let's make sure that I'm gaming on this day, doing that on this day, doing this the other thing on another yeah. day. Uh, and if uh, I, I tend to find that if it's not a prolonged period of stress that I've got, um, that works. Uh, and then I dial it back eventually. Uh, sure. When I'm feeling less stressed, uh, I think the trouble is this time uh, the stress wasn't going away, and all <laughs> I was doing was making myself more exhausted. And you know, we, we, we all do this uh, because we love it and we enjoy it. But I think anyone, uh, particularly anyone who, who knows the game Magic the Gathering, Magic the Gathering is not a relaxing game to play. No. It is, it is particularly at a competitive level. I think I've said, I've said to you before. Although I don't play it, I've spoken to a, a number of Magic players and nearly all of them say that they don't actually play the game for fun. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah it's, it's, almost, it's well, almost paradoxical, but yeah, I, I it's, it's, it, it gives you a measure of just how competitive the game is and how seriously it's taken. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, that, right, so the, the, I was in a fortunate position for me because I would say one of the best ways of dealing with burnout, if you can, is just to step back and yeah. just stop doing it. If you're not having fun doing something, don't do it for a bit. Uh, and that's what I've done. So I've uh, it, it's it's been about a couple of months now since I've been um, playing Magic an awful lot. Because uh -huh. uh, so... you, you were... Um, I think prior to when you told me you were taking a break from it, I think you you were doing events at least once a week. Uh, yeah, Magic, yeah. You? I, don't, I don't even consider myself a particularly competitive 
player. I, I when I say I'm doing events or so, like tournaments, it would typically be something like a draft. Yeah, it was but, like part of your social yeah, calendar. Exactly. Wasn't it? Which again, so it's not it's not as intense, but you know, it is uh yeah, it's a demanding thing. It it, it does it it it, it, it it, it's not something that you can relax to. Well, it's, uh, you know, you've got some games like, you know, we mentioned D&D earlier, and that's a good example. You're, you can be playing D&D, but mm. talking crap Yeah. at the same time, whereas when you're playing Magic, you are playing Magic. You can, your, your full concentration yeah. is on the game in front of you. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, it, I was lucky in that uh, I could step back from it, I could take a break from it, and, and, and you know, a break from a, a few other things, like, and just relax a bit and yeah. get myself uh, together again. Um, but not everyone kind of has that option. I mean, it could be the, the scenarios I was thinking of. What what, what if you're um, a GM for a D&D campaign? Or, you know, you are a very competitive Magic the Gathering player and you are grinding tournaments every weekend. And that, for, for the competitive Magic player... Like taking a couple of weeks off, that can be the difference between making a cut for like a nationals tournament. Yeah, or we you, like you also think of like uh, Twitch streamers and things like that, mm. people that need to keep up a, a regular schedule. And I, because I, I was thinking about this earlier, um, the 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 lines between burnout and discipline can be a bit blurred at times because where. Burnout is definitely a real thing. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. We, I think yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident in saying almost everyone who listens to this podcast yeah. will have experienced something like that. But we're adults, mm-hmm. and at times we need to do things even when we don't feel like it. And although it is a game, it's it's something that you're doing on a casual basis. I, I, it is important to to honour your commitments. Absolutely. And this is why I bring up the example of the, the GM running a yeah. D&D campaign. Right? You can't just... I mean, you're in a campaign as well, so you'll know. You you, you plan your, your sessions in advance, you, quite a bit in advance as well. Oh, you, yeah. you agree, right, every, every other Tuesday, yeah. this is when we're doing it. You can't just... As a player or as a GM, you can't really just consistently just go, yeah, you know what, I don't fancy doing it. Yeah. Like, if anything, in the long term, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you gain a reputation for being unreliable. Mm. And I, then, I, I've, I've witnessed that with some GMs and yeah. uh, uh, some people in the community as well. And eventually, people will, if you're a GM, will stop using you, or if you're a player, they'll stop inviting you. Yeah. So, I, I think that to to clarify the difference between lack of motivation and burnout. I think lack of motivation, uh, to use an example, is sometimes you wake up in the morning, you remember you've got uh, a D&D session mm-hmm. or uh, a pre-release on tonight. And everyone goes through this. Mm-hmm. You, you, you remember that you're going to that thing tonight and you think, I can't be arsed going. Yeah. But you have this sort of inner dialogue where you you sort of give yourself a shake and you're like, right, come on, you know, you'll have a good time when you get there. Mm-hmm. So that that that's discipline. Yeah. That that's fighting against 
being ruled by your emotions mm -hmm. in every decision that you make. That's being an adult. That's being responsible. Yeah. I think burnout is when the enjoyment is gone. Certainly, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, I would and, agree. And where, you can't, and where shaking yourself off and, and exercising discipline isn't helping anymore. Yeah. Because I, I I've got to a point where I was I was going to the like a Monday night draft or whatever and I, I, I wouldn't be enjoying it while I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and like and I, it's crazy because you, you think to yourself no this is this is what I do for fun why am I not why am I not enjoying this like, <laughs> right uh, and and this I think at that point it's a healthy thing to you know take a break. Um, but I mean, you know, there's other things that you can do. I, I mean, you try. There's lots of different things that you can do. So, like, if you're to go back to the example of the GM running the the campaign, yeah. If you're if you are experiencing burnout, perhaps one way around it without you know completely shirking your commitments is run a one-off session in a different setting or use a different system maybe for a couple of settings as well just to you know just to um well it's, it's interesting new it's interesting that you use that example because um when i had my introductory session uh with the rest of my group for this D, &D mm -hmm. campaign that i'm now part of um charles basically talked us through character creation if anyone mm -hmm. needed help with that um he talked us through the setting uh the the tone that he was going for um explained that this was going to be an episodic campaign mm -hmm. and the example he used so was so think star trek rather than lord of the rings okay right so it what, what he was saying there to you guys was right if there's some sessions you can't make it because you've got other commitments yeah uh it's not going to be a big deal so so he, he, he you know he, he made it known that it, it was going to be flexible mm -hmm. Um, and he, he also said that, um, because we're planning to do a long-term campaign, if, if people want to create a new character or even one of the things he suggested is uh, if you think about the, the characters that, that we first created as being one adventuring company, mm -hmm. what we can do is we can then take a sidestep and you can try out a different character and it's as though this is a separate division in the same adventuring mm -hmm. company. And he also said if anyone wants to like, be a guest DM mm -hmm. for a session, he says, let me know. And Ah, oh, right, yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. So it means that um, he's giving everyone else flexibility. He He's getting around uh, fatigue and burnout for his players by giving them options of stepping into different roles mm -hmm. but he's also given himself that leeway by yeah. saying that he'll allow people to guess dm if they so desire that's yeah and that's a really clever thing to do actually i've never, I've never been in a um a campaign where uh, someone's done that as yeah. well so that's uh, that's good i mean it, it, it doesn't it it depends on what kind of campaign you're going for. It's yeah. not it's not always an option. Well, I think uh, because it's episodic, yeah, you can do that. And this is it uh, because uh, the Pathfinder campaign I'm in at the moment that is not episodic at all. This is it's a very long, plot driven. This is very plot driven. 
which is a great experience, but it does mean a little bit more commitment. You have to come to it with that that little bit more. Commitment. It means also if more than one player can't make it, the game's a bogey. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that would be difficult. I mean, we can get around it with one person being absent, but yeah. um, if you've got two or more, then that's gonna yeah. that's gonna be difficult to manage. Whereas um, with the episodic format. It's mm-hmm. like you're saying that allows people to dip in and out a yeah. bit more. I mean, fortunately for us, we we don't meet weekly. We meet we meet once a fortnight. Yeah. So that that in itself means you know it's a bit more flexible and you know you 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 you're certainly a lot less likely to be um, feeling fatigued with playing the same character yeah. or um, or playing in the same setting. So you, you talk you talked about uh, going back to what we were saying before. Mm-hmm. You talked about. Um, magic burnout. It's a great phrase. Magic burnout. Yeah, that should be a card. Yeah, it should be yeah. a spell or something. Yeah. yeah, you you talked about magic burnout in a past tense, mm-hmm. as though you are now over that. I'm I'm kind of in the process. So um, as of the recording of this uh, podcast tomorrow, I'm going to one of the Ixalan pre-releases, uh, which is a great. Um, I think a great way of sort of getting back into it. The pre- For those you don't know, um, Magic sets come out pretty much every quarter. Uh, they'll release yeah. a new set. And before they release it for general sale, they'll hold, uh, local stores will hold pre-release events, which is, uh, you know, a, a little steel tournament, which means you can uh, get your hand on the new cards and have a play with it's them. just building up the hype, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the... the they tend to be very casual and informal events. Yeah. So uh, that is, that I thought would be a good way of like getting myself back into it. They did last weekend. Uh, one of the stores here, West End Games, were hosting a preliminary Pro Tour qualifier, which I did consider going to, and then I realised no. Not a that good segue is, back into that things. Is, that is because that, that that's a very intense uh, level of comp, a relatively intense level of competition, I should say. Obviously, you you build up like towards Grand Prix and yeah. uh, Pro Tours are much bigger deals, <laughs> but uh, but certainly at a local level, a preliminary Pro Tour qualifier, everyone's there to win. Yeah, uh, and it is going to be quite. Um, I keep, you, I, yeah, I was going to say, I keep using that word, but that is the best word to use for it. It's an intense experience. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you just have to go, <laughs> you just have to look at the pictures from yeah, these events. Heads down. Yeah. <laughs> right. Occasionally, someone will be laughing. Yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> Aye. Um, so, uh, I, and this is the thing, um, I don't know whether I would, um, I don't know if I've ever been properly. Uh, competitive player like I've, i played at grand prix level yeah and that was that was fun uh it is very stressful so good experience but you feel you can draw a line under that oh no don't get me wrong i will i'll com- probably compete in another grand prix at some point uh for me um grand prix are almost like it's almost like a music festival but just magic the gathering stuff so you've got loads well, of side it, events. Those sort of things, I mean, we, we've mentioned them before, but Adepticon yeah, is similar, yeah, yeah. where it, it is primarily a tournament, but it's essentially a little convention in its own right. Exactly, exactly. So I actually, the last couple of Grand Prix I've been to, 
I didn't even take part in the main tournament. I was I was just <laughs> there for the buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and for like the side events, they always have great side events. Yeah, and they get loads of vendors as well. Which um, I, what one of the things that really appeals to me about Magic: The Gathering is the collecting side of it. And if you, you think about the amount of uh, games companies now that have event exclusive mm. merchandise. Oh yeah. I mean, I would love to go to uh, San Diego Comic Con to get my hands on all the X stuff. <laughs> well, all, all the stuff. But I mean, from Magic the Gathering, they always do exclusive cards for that event. Yeah. Uh, we talked about last time the exclusive cards they did for the Hascon. Yeah, the Sword of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Which is going to be available in a set, but the other two, I believe, aren't. Uh, and that, um, was, that was the one that, that I liked. The Sword of Dungeons and Dragons, I will definitely be trying to get a hold of to yeah. put in my cube. Um, the uh, the other two, I would I, I would love to have the other two though as well because they were Nerf War was basically a card when you play you shoot a Nerf gun at the opponent's deck. I don't know how I'd feel about people shooting Nerf guns at like some expensive cards. Mine. I mean, but... you say that, but I, I, um, Paul McLaughlin, um, who's a big Magic player. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he told me about a format of, of magic where whenever a, a card is destroyed, you don't discard it, you rip it up. Oh, yes. Um, what is that called? It, they, I think they call it Mini Masters now, but they're, they're, there is an optional rule where you uh, rip it up. There was a YouTube channel a while ago. I was going to say that that would be perfect for streaming. Well, right, so there was a YouTube channel a while ago, Dirium's CCG. They were, they were a shop out in America. I think, they were, I think they were one of the bigger ones that distributed throughout that country. And they had a series of videos called Flip It or Rip It. Um, <laughs> which, so they would open a booster pack and uh, have all the cards face down. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about you know burnout and stress. This is a stressful experience to watch, <laughs> right? Uh, so each player would take it in turns to nominate a card to flip so you see what it is or rip and you rip it while it's still face down and you check afterwards oh. what card it is and I kid you not I don't know like, I, obviously you've heard me and Callum and some, some of our other friends talking about Magic the Gathering would the card name Tarmogoyf mean anything to you? No but it sounds exotic Right, Tarmogoyf at this point I think was worth about $200 oh. and they ripped it. They ripped it on oh. camera. They got a lot of hate off the internet for that. But that was just luck. I I know, but I, I think people were angry. They put, it's like they, someone, they put themselves in that situation. It's like someone losing $200 at Blackjack, you know? Yeah. Like, what can you do except <laughs> laugh at their misfortune? Well, well, this is it. The, the, the guys, the guys playing it were obviously in hysterics. Like and just, like, so you have to laugh or you'll cry. Well, yeah, I think I think one of them was actually quite close to crying. Yeah. Though, because I know how I would feel if I'd ripped one yeah. of my more expensive cards. Yeah. So uh, that, yeah, so that's if you want if you want to introduce a high stakes variant to Magic: The Gathering. Yeah. Um, they used to have a rule like when it first started. They played with anti, which was uh, you'd set aside a card um, from your deck, and whoever won the match won that card. That's interesting. Yeah, they they ditched that obviously because of the connotations of gambling. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, that 
that would have been that would have made it an interesting mechanic. Did they do that in the TC like the Pokemon TCG at all? I don't think so. Right. Again, because I mean, although the original Pokemon games had the games corner mm. in them, um, up to I think Ruby and Sapphire actually had them. What's interesting is that in the recent uh, remakes of Ruby and Sapphire, mm-hmm. the the game corners uh, shut down. Oh. So I think again, it's uh, as japan has opened up to the rest of the world a bit more mm-hmm. they've sort of realized that it makes things difficult for them with ratings boards if yeah. they have gambling in them so yeah. i think i think pokemon's trying to distance itself from yeah that's fair enough more yeah. adult themes yeah yeah that's fair. but so um g- going back again to to burnout um in in essence that this new um pre-release has rekindled your interest i mean the the setting for the new set is called ixalan and the setting is sort of like a central american like picture like aztec style jungles which are inhabited by dinosaurs well it's the it's the uh the expansion we spoke about last week yeah exactly so we've got dinosaurs we have pirates merfolk and uh, vampire conquistadors, which, if there's something that doesn't sound more badass than the combination of vampires and conquistadors, I don't know what it is. Well, I, I mean, I, I was speechless for a minute there. Yeah, maybe maybe dinosaur pirates, as discussed last episode. No, I no vampire conquistadors. Vampire conquistadors definitely <laughs> trumps pirate. Dinosaurs. Think about it. it's, it's very appropriate, it's really. Look at what the conquistadors did. Thoroughly evil. Pretty parasitic. So, yeah. Thoroughly evil. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. How can we make them more evil? Make them vampires. <laughs> Do you know what? Not that much more evil. Yeah. Only a little bit. <laughs> Only a little more evil. <laughs> yeah. But to just, I mean, to compare it to broader gaming terms, essentially, what's remedied your your burnout is new content a new expansion yeah yeah that definitely i mean i god i mean if, if a expansion with dinosaurs pi- and pirates wasn't going to do it i don't know what would so that so that's that's one way of remedying mm-hmm. burnout is new content mm-hmm. um I, I think another one in a similar vein is um variation yeah is that the old saying a change is as good as a rest so it's right if you're maybe not at the extent where you have, you're still getting a degree of enjoyment from mm. it, but you're you're fed up with what you're doing. Um, try a new format. Yeah, I, um, or you know, expensive solution for Age of Sigma. Try a new army. Yeah, uh, but to be fair, you can just borrow your friend's army. Or what a lot of people do is they'll just sell the army and yeah, then move on. They'll use whatever money they get from the sale of that one to. I want because I wanted Quite to speak to you. Obviously, you uh, your main thing is Age of Sigma and uh, the Games Workshop hobbies. Yeah. So there's another side of gaming um, to that, which is you know the the painting, the modelling. So you must have experienced burnout with that. Yeah. Before, right? So what did you do about that to to sort of get over it? Um. I would the. Well, any 
you know, people talk about because building and painting models is an art form. Mm -hmm. You just have to go to Instagram to see that. Yeah, Some of the sure. things people create are phenomenal. Um, and although art is described as being this almost ethereal experience yeah. in a lot of ways, that, that, that experience of creating something, at the same time, people that are really successful in, in any art that they have mm -hmm. are, are also quite disciplined. Yeah. So you hear people talking about things like writer's block. Mm -hmm. And although that, that's maybe true to an extent, at the same time, it's it's very important to to keep up momentum. And although, although creating art is a very emotive experience, sometimes it's just, right, no, I'm going to go and paint today even mm -hmm. though i don't feel like it yeah um one one of the things that that really helps to motivate people in terms of painting i've, I've done it before as well is if you have an event coming up yes that that's a great motivator that's a deadline it's a, yeah and you again it's, it it's discipline you have to get it done Where, whereas if it's open-ended yeah you always have that subconscious thought of I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. Whereas like you say, you you have that deadline set in stone and a lot of tournaments actually penalise you for not having uh, a fully painted army. There's some venues that just flat out will not let you play. Yeah, some of them actually make you take them off yeah. the, the table if they're not painted. I mean, the, the story I always remember, this was back in 8th edition Warhammer and there was a group of us going down the Nottingham at Warhammer World for a tournament. And I have the greatest admiration for our friend Simon. Simon had, was bringing a Night Goblin army. Now, for those of you who don't play Warhammer, that that's a lot of models. I, I think easily about 200. Yeah, and he painted them all in a very short space of time, Yeah, considering. I think only was it over a week. Yeah, I, I don't think he slept much. Yeah, he seemed a bit jittery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the but tournament he, itself. That's Simon's also a bit like that, so it's hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> so you no, just you know you just look at him like you okay, Simon? Yeah. You okay? <laughs> so, but no, I I like I I really um, I I thought he was mad for it, but I also, it, looked, it looked great. Yeah, it but, did, it, it, and it was sometimes with uh, painting an army. Uh, sometimes it, it it's not worth. Um, not to say he did a bad job on any of them; they're all perfectly fine. But they, you know, they, they weren't painted to an like they weren't painted to like a golden demon standard by no. any stretch. But just seeing two hundred little goblins all painted on a all table ranked up is quite yeah. a spectacle, exactly. regar regardless of the standard that they're painted to. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, that's the other the the thing as well is. Um, it, it's very rewarding to see yeah. a fully painted army. Um, so I, knowing that as well, one of the other things is um, to create variation mm -hmm. with what you're painting. So rather than painting all your soldiers in one go, yeah, um, you'll maybe paint them in batches of five or ten. Certainly when I used, that's exactly how I used yeah. to do it when I was painting up my Vampire Counts army back yeah. in the day. It was, you, you have a, almost like, I described it as a conveyor belt. Yeah. 
but you'd only paint like 10 at a time and then try something different yeah so you would do 10 soldiers and then a character yeah and then 10 soldiers and a war machine yeah so you are not torturing yourself with just mm -hmm. looking at the same thing for days on end yeah and it's that again it's that um delayed gratification you're motivating yourself it's if I paint ten of these guys, I get to paint something really awesome and go yeah. to town with that. Um, so I, I do think you you definitely need to be quite disciplined with something mm -hmm. like that. But there are, are, are ways of helping. Sometimes, I mean, you, you talked about you know people um, being burnt out with the gaming side of Age of Sigmar. They'll try a new army. That's another thing you can do is mm -hmm. if you want to keep painting but do not have the motivation to paint what you're doing. Just go and paint something you normally wouldn't. Yeah. And like if, would... if you always paint um, skeletons, mm -hmm. go and paint an ogre or something. Yeah, I can confirm you paint. When you're painting skeletons, you're almost always painting a lot of skeletons. <laughs> yep. There are a lot of dead people. Yeah. Around. <laughs> Anyway, on that jolly note, yeah. uh, we'll bring this uh, this uh, week's episode to a close. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Um, it was, was there any good examples that we've missed or any tips or uh, tricks that we didn't cover off? Let us know. Uh, we've got our email address and, of course, the comment section uh, for, the, uh, for the podcast as well. But uh, this is uh, me, Josh, and Ben. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you.